Well, I want to begin with a quote from General Douglas MacArthur. Uh, he uttered this in 1952. He was a devout Christian, uh, very committed to Christ, spoke a great deal uh, in the context of the Word of God. But he seemed to have some insight into the future. When you think about this being spoken some nearly 70 years ago, I think you will understand the gravity of his words and the insight that he shares. He said, our threat is from insidious forces working from within, infiltrated into positions of public trust, into journalism, press, the radio, and school. It's three, it seeks through covert manipulation of civil powers and the media of public information and education to pervert the truth, impair respect for moral values, suppress human freedom and representative government, and in the end, destroy our faith in our religious teachings. There is an assault happening right now that has accelerated in the recent weeks or two, week or two. And there is uh, an attack on the family, there is attack on gender, there is an attack on the church, and that is only going to get stronger, not weaker. He went on to say, this evil force is neither spiritual base nor moral standard, relies, uh, rallies the abnormal and the subnormal elements among our citizenry, and applies internal pressure against all things we hold decent and all things we hold right. The type of pressure which has caused many Christian nations abroad to fall and their cherished freedoms to languish in shackles of complete suppression. As it has happened there, it can happen here. Our need for patriotic fervor and religious devotion has never been more impelling. There can be no compromise in the preservation of freedom and religion. It must be all or nothing. Words well spoken. Today I want to talk to you about the departing glory of God. Uh, the text will come from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4. We'll get into that in just a moment. But let me say this at, right from the outset that the departing glory happens on three levels. It happens, first of all, on an individual level. That is where you, in your life, lose a sense of the presence of God. That the glory is not what it once was. That it's more you than him. John the Baptist made it clear, I must decrease, but Jesus must increase. Imagine if that was just the word of your prayer every day. God, let me decrease that Jesus might increase. God, let me die to self that I might live unto God. God, let me not walk in the flesh, but let me walk in the spirit. Let, me be the, let the miracle of my life be Christ in me, the hope of glory. It also happens on a corporate level. And a corporate level, I mean the body, the church overall. And I don't mean just this church. I mean churches across the land. That the glory departs from the church. And all around the world, there are churches who are that in name only. They are denying the very power of God in the way that they approach life. The scriptures have been minimized. The truth 
has been relegated to another side of the universe where it's not relevant any longer. Jesus addressed this problem in Revelation chapter two when he said, I walk among the seven golden candlesticks. And he was referring to the seven churches uh, that are found there in the book of Revelation. And he says as he walks through the, the churches, he says, repent and return lest I come and remove the candlestick. Now what he was saying there was it's possible to be a church and have no light. It's possible to have no influence. It's possible to be a church, even meet every week, have large crowds, even open your Bible and have no light because the light has been removed because of the lack of devotion to Christ on a corporate level. The glory is gone. The glory can also depart on a national level, meaning a nation. A nation that once stood for Christ, like Great Britain, the glory is gone. It's a former glory. If you wanna see the way America goes, then look at Europe. As go Europe, so goes the rest of the world. We're already seeing some similar traits that took place in Great Britain happening here in America today in terms of religion and freedom and what's important in life. I wanna show you a video. Yesterday, I'm sorry we didn't be, weren't able to give you a lot of heads up about it. We used social media to do that. But we had an event here called Let Us Worship. Sean Foyt, a worship leader, began to take the message of Let Us Worship, first of all, to Portland, uh, into Seattle, into places where uh, a lot of the rioting and protesting was taking place. And he just showed up and began to worship, and crowds began to gather, and so far I think they've been in 50 cities in America. And their plan was to be down on the beach on Saturday, but because of the rain, uh, they shifted, and I really believe it was hand of God. Um, they came here, we had a, a huge tent, about a 150-length uh, foot tent, and uh, supposedly it would people standing under it was about 1,000 people, and there wasn't enough room, so we think there was probably closer to 1,500 people here. And we worshiped for two straight hours in the cold, in the rain. The most challenging moment came when baptism, we had two horse troughs filled with cold water. I mean, why warm it up at that point? And people were getting in those tubs uh, in their clothes, being baptized who just came to faith in Christ. So we have just a, a one minute video. We may do an expanded version of this later, but let me just show you a one minute video of what happened yesterday and let you enjoy that for a moment.
So I just want you to know the glory hasn't departed from this house, amen? And you know, because of you and because of what you do, the glory is only gonna increase. This place is only gonna get better and stronger and brighter for the kingdom of God, amen? We didn't get into church to play. This is not a hobby. This is real life. The, the, the issues that we face, that we confront, they are eternal in nature. The reason we ask you to pray and fast and give and support and love and be involved is because our bottom line is more important than any bottom line in the world because it involves generational sin, it involves families, it involves the souls of boys and girls, men and women. That's why we do what we do. When I take you back to the book of 1 Samuel, let me set up the story in this way. Israel was in doing battle with the Philistines, the sworn enemy of the nation of Israel. They wanted to conform them to their way of thinking. They wanted to destroy their concept of God. They wanted to change their culture. Does it sound familiar? They were in a battle at a place called Aphek. And there at Aphek, they were intimidated and losing the battle to the enemy. And one person came up with the idea, let's get the Ark of the Covenant, bring it into the land. And they treated it somewhat like a religious artifact or a lucky rabbit's foot, if you will. They said, surely if this Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant was basically a chest covered with gold, and on the top was the mercy seat, and it was there that the presence of God would fall on Israel when they were in the wilderness, and it would be transported into the temple, and there the glory of God would fall. They said, let's get the Ark of the Covenant. And when they brought it into the land, everybody cheered because they felt as if now they were going to win the battle. It was a symbol of the presence of God. Israel was engaged uh, with, the, with the Philistines, an enemy sworn to destroy Israel and remove God from society altogether. What we find in the end, let me just fast forward and tell you the end of the story. The spoiler alert is now active. What happened is the Israel was defeated, the ark was taken by the enemy, that is the glory was taken by the enemy, transported into their land. Eli the priest falls dead. His two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, die in the battle. When the daughter, Eli's daughter-in-law, gave birth, she named her son Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed. It says when Eli heard that the glory, that the ark had been taken, that he fell over backwards and was dead. And so we see everything shifting right now, and this would be the last time the ark would be in a place called Shiloh. Shiloh is significant because it's prophesied in Genesis chapter 49 that Shiloh is not just a place, it's a person. When Shiloh comes, it's another way to speak of Jesus. And it was saying Jesus has been removed from the land, no longer in Shiloh, now taken into the land of the enemy. And Israel seemed to be powerless to do anything about what was happening. Let me give you a couple of ideas how you know when the glory has departed from either individual, corporate, or national level. Number one, you make decisions without consulting God. That can happen for you as an individual. 
It can happen for us as a church or any church in the land, and it can happen and is happening on a national level today. Secondly, when the sacred becomes common, when it no longer seems special to hold the Word of God in your hand, when it no longer seems special to attend church or to participate in an online or an outdoor service, when those things become common and you say, oh, what difference does it make? I can just read my Bible. That's when the sacred becomes common. When the enemy, thirdly, when the enemy no longer fears the work of God, we're seeing that today. Christianity is being relegated to the back corner. It is being only tolerated, and it is the desire of our nation, it seems, leadership, to actually destroy that faith that we hold in God. Next, when proven leaders begin to fold into culture. I'm shocked right now by those, those people who have been leaders within Christianity, and I'm talking on a theological or a pastoral level, who have folded to culture. They have given up. They have almost conformed into it, trying to appease at any cost those who are seeming to drive a culture that is anti-God, anti-Christian. When I see people who justify abortion because Biden is a nicer man than Trump, I'm confused. I'm confused. I didn't vote for a president to be nice I voted for them to have a policy that was closely aligned with what I believe. This is a Sunday, this is a Sunday that we remember the sanctity of life. That means that every life is valuable and important because it was in 1973 that the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade determined that it was legal to abort children, and now worldwide, 125,000 children every day are being aborted. Let's put it in perspective. 50 million have been aborted in America alone. That means we could take the entire population of, color, of California, which is 40 million, and add another 10 million, and those people do not exist. You see, the blood is crying out from the land any way you look at it. If you've had an abortion, I want you to know that God loves you, God has forgiven you, and there is restoration, and there is no zero judgment from us. Also, when God's people no longer long for the glory, you know the glory has departed. There has to be something in you that says, I want the glory, I want the presence, I want to feel God, I want to walk with God, I want to know God, I want to get in his word, and I want to dig deep into those truths. There's some, gotta be something inside of you that does that, or the glory has departed from you. You see, the enemy rejoices when the glory departs. When our culture sees Christianity minimized, it rejoices. When the influence within national or local politics is minimized, the enemy rejoices. Let me take you to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. It says, When the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. This was a symbol of his presence. And they said, God has come into the camp now. The Philistines, when they heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the shout, the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? 
And then they understood it was the ark of the Lord that had come into the camp. You see, they feared in this moment, they feared God. They feared God. So the Philistines were afraid. I read a lengthy uh, article about China and why they continue to try to destroy the true church in China. And it went on to say, just writer after writer, leader after leader within China, it is because the threat, the only threat to communism in China is Christianity and not the state-sponsored church that is really just a whitewashed tomb filled with empty and dead bones. It is the underground church that is powerful and strong, and already the underground church has more people than America has citizens. Now think of that. That's the movement that's happening in our world. Notice what the Philistines said. God has come into the camp. That's why they were afraid. They weren't afraid of the Israelites. They were afraid of God. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? See, they didn't understand the idea of one God. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with the plagues in the wilderness. So that narrative, that story was being told throughout all the nations and all the tribes that existed in that moment. They heard about what happened when Moses had confronted Pharaoh, and they said, what are we going to do with that God? What are we going to do with that enemy? And they were alarmed. And then one man stood up and he said, be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. And so they rallied the forces. You see, the ungodly rallied their forces against Israel, who was overly dependent on a piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant, and not on God. You see, I love those Hollywood movies where the bad guy is, you know, he just folds like a cheap suit when somebody pulls out a Bible. Evil seems to fold. Well, that's not true. That doesn't work. What works is when you live in the power of the Spirit, you proclaim the Word of God, and you don't bow, you don't bend, and you don't break. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 7 and 11 says this, You have defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. What is God's heritage in our nation? It is that there is one God, and that God is over all of mankind. That we have these truths that are not uh, to be given over. They're inalienable rights given by God himself that all men are created equal and made in the image of Almighty God. He says, my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. It will not profit you, it will not profit you to live a less committed life for Christ. It will not profit you in the marketplace if you compromise your Christianity. It will not profit us if as a church, we somehow make it easy to believe in Jesus. I want you to know Jesus told us how hard it would be. He said there is a narrow road that leads to life, and few there be that go there, thereby. But there is a broad road that leads to death, and many go the way of that broad road. He said it's so difficult that it's narrow, and few people will get on it. Everybody will get on the broad road. That one's easy. 
Jesus said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. How about you? Will you follow me? I will follow you anywhere. And you see, when Peter said that, he wasn't realizing what it was going to cost him in the days ahead. I want to talk to you a little bit about the departed glory. In 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 21, it says, the glory has departed from Israel. Now, the glory is a word that means the presence, and it carries this idea in the Hebrew of weighty. Have you ever been in a room, maybe it's in a worship service, and all of a sudden you just felt the presence of God? Or you walked into a room and you say, wow, it feels different in here. That is the weight of the glory of God. And so what we understand here is it says the weight of the glory of God had departed from Israel. Now it was a religion. I tell people all the time, I hate religion. He said, well, how can you hate religion? You're a pastor. Well, I love God, but I hate religion. You see, religion is man's way to try to please God, but Jesus is the way to the Father. Amen? Now, let me tell you what's happening today. There is a, there is a war on free speech, and it's going to escalate. It's going to escalate. When you see people like GoDaddy and Amazon beginning to close down sites that they don't agree with, that's telling you something is happening. We already made the shift on American faith to another uh, service that is not subject to that. It's outside of that altogether, completely protected, because we believe there's going to be greater attacks coming in the days ahead. Also, expect that there's going to be an expansion of abortion access, but it's going to be through FDA drugs. I think what's going to happen is the federal government is going to have pressure, and there's going to be more abortions taking place through pharmaceuticals versus going into a clinic and having a baby removed. These are things that are coming. These are things that are on the horizon because you see when you take mankind and you say mankind is not that significant, we're just a blob of human flesh, and there's plenty of us on planet Earth. The seven billion plus that we have on planet Earth is enough. So let's try to get rid of some of those. Let's try to make more room for more people and the best way to do that, in some people's minds, is let's just eliminate whole groups of people. I love the words of Colonel George Mason. You may have never heard of him. He was a founding father from Virginia. And he said at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. By an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence, remember this is another way to speak of God, punishes national sins by national calamities and brings the judgment of heaven on a country. I think another thing we're going to see is forced social control will become the norm. I think this, uh, the entire world is shocked by how quickly mankind conformed to the warnings and the fears of COVID-19. And if it were only about health, it would be one thing. But there is a social agenda, I believe, that is being played out. Let me take you to a headline that took place uh, that occurred, uh, appeared in Brett Bart this week. It's on every uh, outlet, actually. But it's Germany to place quarantine flouters into detention camps. Now think about that. So what Germany has done, they're the last people that should be thinking about any kind of detention camps, by the way, with their history. 
There's an old joke that goes, you know, uh, in hell, uh, the Germans are in charge of the police force and the British are in charge of cooking. You'll kind of catch the, the whole meaning. If you've ever had British food, you know, sorry, if you're a Brit, I'm sorry, you have bad food. Um, <laughs> yeah, they'll put the Italians in charge of technology. Um, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, guys, I just, let's just be honest here for a moment. So what they're doing is those uh, people in society who will not conform to the social standards will be put into a detention camp. Now, that just seems so bizarre. It doesn't seem possible, does it? Well, let me just pull up another slide. This is from the CDC. It's not hard to find. You can uh, Google search it by putting CDC, and then you use the word shielding camps. I've circled uh, there the focus on camps. So the CDC has about three pages, and it talks about all different aspects of how we're going to create these detention camps here in America. And they will be for the purpose of either, more specifically here, of those who have COVID and, and because healthcare facilities will be overrun, we'll put them in camps. It goes into great detail to talk about how you deal with those people who are religious, who are going to be a little bit more difficult than others. It talks about those, how there will be green zones and there will only be one entrance and all food will be brought there to a green zone. And then the people will go out and get the food. It sounds like something so bizarre that it would be a bad Hollywood movie, but it's a reality. It's happening in your country, America. People say, well, I don't think that's what it says. Well, then Google it and you tell me what it says, because I've read it four or five times, and I was, every time I read it, I got more out of it, I got more alarmed. Psalm 78, verse 60 said, he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. God forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. Remember, Shiloh is another way to talk about the presence of God. The tent he had placed among men and delivered his strength into captivity. God said, I will allow my strength to go into captivity if my people won't do something. Do you realize that Christianity is a partnership? There's something for you to do, and there's something for God to do. And when we do what God has called us to do, God will do what God says he will do. And it says, his glory into the enemy's hand. He said, I'll give my glory into the enemy's hand. I'll show you, if that's what you really want as a people, I'll do that for you. But I don't know about you. I don't want that. I want the glory to come in strong. The promise to the faithful. God governs the universe in partnership with you and I. I love Psalm 149. Uh, and understand that this is speaking on a spiritual level, on a dynamic that it will manifest in the physical, but it's speaking on a spiritual level. It says, let the saints be joyful in glory. You know that's you? It says, be, are you gonna be joyful? Let me hear a little joy out of you, a little clap. Amen. How about this one? Let them sing aloud in their beds. You ever just laid in bed and you worried and you thought about all that was going wrong? He says, don't do that. Start singing. Just sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Why? Because the praises of God drive the enemy away, drives the enemy crazy. 
Why do you think so much emphasis on churches not singing has been done over the last six months? It is because the enemy knows that the praises of God, that he inhabits the praises of his people, and it drives away the enemy. How about this? And a two-edged sword in their hand. You know what that is? That's the word of God. When the word of God is in your hand and the praises are in your mouth, the enemy is powerless. And here's what we do with it. To execute vengeance on the nations. Remember, this is in the spiritual realm. You see, behind every Behind every power that's in society, there are demonic spirits that are pulling strings and pushing decisions. The Bible says when you, when you're joyful, when you sing aloud the high praises of God and you take the word of God in your hand, what you're doing is you're bringing vengeance on the demonic spirits that are worldwide. Amen? And punishments on the people. You know what punishment is for someone who doesn't know God? that they're, they're actually under the influence of God. That's their greatest punishment. It's kind of like telling a, a person who hates church, you gotta go to church every day. No, I'd rather go to hell. I've had people literally tell me that. How about to bind their kings with chains? Remember, spiritually speaking, to bind the powers of evil, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor, look at this, this honor have all his saints. Do you know it's an honor? The honor is you get to sing joyfully. You get to sing in in your beds. You get to pick up the sword. You get to bind the nations. You get to bring God into every marketplace on planet Earth. What do I see happening? Let me tell you two things that I think are really, really significant. I think the church will divide into believing and conforming groups. Let me tell you what that means. I think there's going to be a division, and I think it's necessary for the church across America, they're gonna be a believing and a conforming. They're gonna be those who are gonna conform to the rules that are gonna be coming. Already the pressure of the Equality Act means that we have to hire every person of any gender or whatever 56 genders you think you might have. We laugh at it, but it's, it's becoming the reality. And it's not because we don't believe in equality, we do. I believe people are protected already under our Constitution, under our amendments. In China, what happened? China finally said, you know what, you can go ahead and have church, but here are the rules. Here's a script. And there were those who said, no, we're the believing church. And they were forced to go underground. They were forced to, to, to live in the power of God, and that's what's been blessed in China. I think we're going to see that. I see it, I hear it from Christian leaders. There are three Christian leaders I heard this week. I won't mention their names, but I was literally shocked. You could have knocked me over with a bat. That's how shocking it was to hear what they talked about and conforming to society. I think the second thing, and you're gonna love this one, I think the believing church will see a return to apostolic power. I believe those who are faithful, those who are true, And what does that mean? That means what you saw happening in the life of the apostles during that first century, you're going to see returning to the church. You see, when you you narrow the focus in your life, you broaden the vision of what's possible. You begin to deepen down in your faith and your faith becomes more pure. Your faith becomes stronger and more real. And then it's never never a matter of will God come through. No, God will come through. God must come through. 
God is God. God is faithful. God is true. God is God. God will do that. You know, there is no greater invitation that God can give to man is the invitation to know him. The greatest miracle of life is going from death to life, from darkness into light, amen? You see, when you, got, when you came to faith in Christ, if that's happened to you, that was the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did. That was greater than walking on the water. He took you who did not know God, did not love God, may have even hated God, and he transformed your heart to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. That's pretty miraculous. Amen? And we've got a room full of people that have done that. You are walking, talking miracle every single day of your life. Man, that's something to rejoice about. That's why the Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one soul that gets saved. Think about that. Heaven rejoices when a soul comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the greatest miracle on planet Earth is that miracle. If you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're uncertain about your eternal destiny, can I ask you right now to pray a prayer with me, a prayer of faith that, that would be my words but your heart, your faith. You say, well, pastor, I don't have a lot of faith. You don't need a lot of faith. You just need to get in the front door and let Jesus take the rest of the way in. Amen? So pray with me like this. You can pray it right out loud where you stand or sit. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. You've told us in your word that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart that you've raised me from the dead, then I will, I will have faith in you. I will be saved. So save me now, Lord Jesus, I pray in your name. Now, in your own words, just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Just seal that decision right now that the enemy can't come in and say, well, that didn't really happen. No, it did happen, and I thank God for it this moment because it's not by works, it's not because you're a good person, it's because you trusted in Jesus, amen? Just trust in Jesus. So if that happened to you, share that with us sometime and, and connect with us at, at, at the uh, link station and, and tell people about your faith. Get involved in the community group. Be involved in, in the life of the church and grow in faith. You're gonna need community more than ever as the days, as the days move on into the, uh, this age that we're living.